Welcome to Usual Pets, an arts and poetic philosophy podcast with hosts Richard Gilbert and Jeff Cairns. For more episodes or to support the podcast, go to usualpets.com. Today we're talking with Grandmaster Don Baird about rounding off the angular and holistic approach to achievement through developing the five excellences fighting, healing, musicianship, painting, and writing. We also discuss the how-to of engagement, focusing on unlocking the secret self through freedom, desire, passion, limitations, and privacy. But first, our WTF from Don, scored by the usual Pets Pocket Orchestra. Here we go. Does freedom come through a lack of concentration? Not something acquired, but rather through a removal. Just stop concentrating. Then, are we free? Not really, because we are still in something. We cannot be in and out, in or out. Are we somewhere that cannot be described? As soon as you start to describe something, you are limiting it. Flying with the butterfly, not wanting to land, too. But I do. Not lasting though in one place longer than being there in a minimal sense, yet never leaving. Wanting to soak in the whatever is going on with me while remaining sensitive to butterflies at large. Between trees I dream, between leaves I dream, between anything where there is an in-between, I land. Along the slick side of classical clarinet, I dream out loud. I have no idea what I'm doing in some way. Something does though. Something knows what I am doing. I don't want to be distracted by what exists. I prefer to gravitate toward what doesn't exist. Where is that doesn't? Hearing dissonance, I find consonance and sameness. Yet I am often caught composing something else. Coming from a non-space, if you are in a space and know it, You are in a linear mind and not a creative mind. Free spirit to be a perfect open conduit. If it is definable, it is not truly free. It is in existence and works as though it has an inside and no outside. But creativity seems to be empty on all sides, outside and inside. No container. The space that creativity arrives from is unknown, without description. Descriptions would be wrong anyway. Tao's thought is that the Tao that can be described is not the true Tao. A flea can never describe the full elephant it sits on. Being creative works much like a confrontation. Birthing is a confrontation, 
There is a natural resistance that one has to transcend. But there is resistance to transcending. So don't go anywhere. Stay where you are and be somewhere else at the same time. The birthing place that isn't a place cannot be found. Ideas come from a place that cannot be found. You should steer away from describing. You should steer away from describing it because you will build a perspective that isn't true. Freedom is that resistance to our captivity where teachers boxed you in, giving you an education, boundaries of which are there to keep you from breaking out, being yourself, but not because you are the sum of all the teachers more than you are of yourself. Does self exist? Is it in a place that can be described or do you dwell in an emptiness that isn't in anything? My creative spirit comes from somewhere, but it cannot be described without creating a box of is. The description of is would be wrong anyway. Apparently I exist, but if that's the case, then I'm a walking container, a living limitation. But my creativity is unlimited, or does it simply seem that way? How am I limited? and my creativity isn't. Is there a readiness, a space where creativity exists? Do we tap into it or does it come to us? Who or what leads the way? Damn, thinking is annoying. Thinking causes more limitations than it offers freedom. There is no freedom of thought. Its point is to create structure of which is limiting, not freeing. Even as we describe freedom, we begin to limit what it is. Words do not expand things. They contain them by constructing boundaries over and over again. Freedom shrinking, limitation expanding. This annoys me. I can't dwell on this without thinking I'm trapped. And now, I can't write the frickin' poem because I have thinker's block. Thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure and honor. Yeah, I've heard a lot about you. So, Don, I've known you for at least 10 years, I think. We met at a haiku conference in Seattle. That's true, yeah. I visited once or twice a year, actually, for a number of years. We sat around and just dreamed up stuff like Ink Zero. The book. We sat around one night and wrote a book together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who sits around and writes a book together in one night? Yeah, who does that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was really fun, yeah. Yeah. And then we performed it like three times. We did perform it. What was it called? All in a Day? All in a Day, yeah. You oh, did Tai man, Chi was... and uh, other movement. You're reading the poetry, I'm doing Tai Chi and... They're thumping on Japanese instruments. <laughs> <laughs> what more could you want? We performed it at, it's in Pasadena, and it was yeah, in the University Museum. The Japanese Museum, which is now owned by USC, yeah. I think it was then, too, wasn't it? On stage, that's when uh, we did push hands with Josh, and uh, yeah, I threw him around. You didn't just throw him. 
There's a photo that you have. We might be able to post it. He's literally, I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm going to try not to exaggerate like a fish story. He's upside down. <laughs> he is upside down. I think he's at least at my chest height yeah. in the air. He is probably two and a half or three feet off the ground. Yeah. You were doing push hands and yeah. somehow you threw him. His body like turned upside down and was in the air. And he went across the stage. Yeah. He did. When he hit down, it wasn't like play acting. The whole thing just sounded like thunder. <laughs> so he was okay. Yeah. He knows how to yeah. fall, He's, but it was still... That's all trained. I mean, you have to be really sharp on the throws and strong, but you have to be guiding, and then you have to be sharp on the mm. falls, and then we have to time it. We've trained so much, I've done so many demonstrations with him that he feels a certain uh, sense, kind of yeah. touch. And his mind goes in the zone, and his body is just doing everything uh, right. And he had to do everything right that day because we weren't playing around. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. real. Yeah. The poetry was real. The mood was real. There was no game. This wasn't a fantasy. Mm-hmm. When he can land and when I can harmonize it, I'm conscious of his energy. Mm-hmm. So that when he hits the ground, he hits the ground at the right angle and he can do his side. It's extremely, extremely mindful. Yeah. You could hurt him or he get hurt. Yeah. Everybody's really mindful. Mm-hmm. It's not play acting. The force is there. The force is there. If he lands wrong, we break his back or something. We demonstrate for real, and we're experienced together. He's been with me 23 years. We will have the links to the different sites. Listeners can check the links under the podcast. Probably you could spend an hour talking about your background and history within the martial arts, but it's also true that you have been doing bonsai for a long time. You've been doing professional photography, clarinet in orchestral settings, uh, composing for clarinet, our poetry books, obviously. You have several international haiku websites that you created and are the founder editor of. Poetry in general, I think I'm probably missing a few things like mixed media, where you've taken photos, haiku from other people, anthologized uh, and created gallery books. You've done readings. Yes performances. So all of those things are going on, and we could probably talk about any of those, but we want to talk about creative space in general and creativity. When Jeff and I were talking, and he had read your Kung Fu Karate page, the background of the lineage of Su Sensei or uh, Master Su and the Korean background into the Chinese background of American School of Martial Arts and Kung Fu Karate. So one thing that's a little unclear for us as complete newbies or neophytes. Jeff said, well, maybe we should ask Don for some Bruce Lee quotes or something. And I said, like, no, I think that's... In terms of martial arts in America and coming from Korea or other countries, where does your own experience come into that in the time frame? Yeah, I met Mr. Sue in uh, December of 1971. Mm-hmm. I'd been in judo and jiu-jitsu from 1962 until then, so nine years. Then I switched over to Mr. Su's style, which is a presidential bodyguard style for Korea. And he was a presidential bodyguard. I was entering into martial arts, and Bruce Lee was already making movies. He did some things, I think, in the late 60s, you know. I had already entered 1962 in martial arts, but I'm talking, when I say martial arts, I'm looking just at Mr. Su in 1971 that I met Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I converted. That's what I reference. One reason that a lot of people in the United States had careers in Kung Fu, he popularized it. He made it happen for everyone in the country by being an actor. How good he was or wasn't isn't even important. Could he Mm -hmm. fight or not fight? Look, the guy spent all day long at a movie set 
There's other people who are professional fighters that spend all day just fighting. So you can't compare someone who's spending all day acting and the stuff and trains as much as he can with somebody that only trains martial arts. I don't care how they try to build him up as a hero. He is a hero in some ways. Mm -hmm. He was very, very important. It was an era where, you know, I'm now the older group of that era, Chuck Norris being just a little bit before me, Mm -hmm. so he's even older group. His group and my group pioneered ownership of martial arts school in the United States. Mm. Until that group occurred, it was all Korean. It was not much Korean, Japanese. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Mm. And then eventually the Chinese, and then eventually the Koreans. And now uh, non-Asian people were opening schools. And I was non-Asian. I'm a white guy that took over Mr. Su's school in July 20th, 1976. And people would come through the door and, and talk to me. So I want to know about the martial arts. Uh, how, you know, are you training here? I go, yeah, I train here. <laughs> you know, I'm the teacher, but I train here. And they go like, uh, well, it's almost like saying, well, where's the real guy? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> where's the real guy? How could you know martial arts? You're a white guy. Right. And I said, well, the, you know, where, so where's the Asian guy? The question came up. Yeah. Do you have an Asian master here that teaches these classes? And I go, well, no, he, he retired. I'm running the school. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. But they didn't sign up. Mm. Uh, and they didn't sign up. Mm. And they didn't sign up. And they come in and go like, what do you... So what I did is ended up training 11 international champions, five world champions, yeah. and mm. made a mark wow. in the industry that they remember today. Yeah, They remember my fighters today. They remember fights, you know. I used to sit on uh, different instructors, black belt panels. Chuck Norris was one of them. So when they had their tests, I was invited to sit on them and watch the tests and mm-hmm. be part of the grading, the examiners. Mm-hmm. And that was fun, yeah. you know. But we were all trying hard, training hard to knock down the walls, right. big barrier. Maybe we can jump in a little bit here to something that I read this morning, Richard, on one of the explanations of Don's school, the Sudo Kwan, your style, actually, I guess that is. It had to do with something that really kind of surprised me because I don't know anything about fighting. I've never had a fight in my life <laughs> and uh, of any kind except yeah. verbally. But you know, yeah, yeah. no sort of physical aggression went on with me. And I've always had an image of martial arts as being kind of monodirectional. You know, I'm going out there to beat that guy and uh, do that with these uh, techniques that I've learned over some time. But I read this thing that expanded all that for me and might touch on what Richard was just asking about, which had to do with the five excellences. And it just sort of cast a different light on everything that you may have been doing and expanded that into very different places. And to those who don't know what the five excellences are, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're fighting, healing arts, writing, music, and painting. Sure. It might be phrased in different ways, but that's how they were broken down. And as I understood in the training within your style, those are things that are sought after by people who are seriously moving in that direction. Can you comment at all on that? And what does that mean to fighting? Yeah, Musashi was a character involved in that kind of concept too, right? right? Yes, yeah. So this whole notion of having excellences goes way back. It's to round off the angular. Mm. Yeah. 
Right. Just yeah. to round off the angular. Because when you spend all of your time just fighting and even killing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fighting in such a serious way that somebody's going to get really hurt you know, or die. Yeah, yeah. And that's your focus, and that's your focus. Then the notion is that you're limiting yourself just to this killing machine. Yeah, yeah. But the character of a human being is expansive. Yes. The character of a human being is something so special that no other being on earth does anything like us. That nothing else on earth is writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Nothing else on earth is writing anything like Mozart. Right. Nothing else on earth is gives a darn about how you shoot the arrow. You know? Right, right. All these things and all these beauties, walking and admiring the moon. When's the last time you saw two coyotes holding hands, walk, looking at the moon and <laughs> whispering sweet nothing? They're not doing it. They're hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're the only thing on the planet that does that. We mm-hmm. look at the moon and go, honey, I love you. It's great being together. This is beautiful. Look what we're sharing that's mm-hmm. been made for us to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And we notice that. Mm-hmm. And so when we're too angular, all of that drops off. Right, right. And when we're more rounded. So the idea is that mm. mastery isn't specificity, mm-hmm. because that would be angular. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's round and expansive. And so to keep your personality and to keep yourself harmonized and to keep yourself holistic, mm-hmm. you need to express yourself in the way of arts mm-hmm. and music, poetry, right. all these different things to bring out and develop balancing characteristics. Mm-hmm. The one little side that you can defend yourself by hurting somebody, that's a little thing. Writing a concerto is a big thing. (laughs) Writing a beautiful sonnet is a big thing. It's spiritually big. And punching somebody in the face, (laughs) it's like eating. Mm. It's just Uh, what you have to do. Right, okay. I have to do that. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to walk in the light of the moon. You don't have to walk in the light of the poetry or your music is something you do and choose to round off. So in that rounding process, does something happen to the fighting process? I think it all improves. It just improves, yeah. Everything improves. When you build yourself in a holistic way and expose yourself to especially anything in the arts, mm-hmm. the arts, they're just can openers to the <laughs> IQ right, right. and to the creative force, right? Mm-hmm. The more you just get out there into all the arts, your IQ that's been sequestered by mm. certain definitions mm-hmm. becomes expansive. And Musashi became expansive. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, that's not a contracted, small, little character. Yeah. Not at all. Well said. I have a question. At what point in your own training or experience did you really get that? What was even the art form that you developed? That expansive feeling or the rounding off of the angular, especially? Well, for me, I've never known what it's like to be contracted. Even in your early life, you were already playing music. I was four years old when they had me on a piano. (laughs) Yeah. I was six when they had me on an accordion. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) I got my head caught in it too many times, so I forget that. (laughs) I wanted to get in this band, this concert Mm. band for kids. Mm. And when I was like eight or something, and so I want to get in and I don't know what to do, but I play accordion. It's a beautiful concert band of kids that are playing beautifully, you know. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. In the end, they don't take accordions in their band. Mm. I said, well, what do you take? I mean, what do you need? 
I don't want to know. I don't want you to tell me no. I want to know where I can mm, fit. Right. Mm, yeah. And I said, well, the biggest section in the concert band is the clarinet section. Hmm. So you're more likely to get into there than maybe you know, French horn or something else. We only have two of those, or two of this and one mm. of that. I said, clarinet? Okay. I ended up playing clarinet. Along with that, I was like eight, nine, ten. I was trying to write poetry. Really? I think it sucked a lot. <laughs> you know, you have to consider the age. I made a decision at 12, I wanted to be a pastor at a church one day. Uh, at 14, I started playing competitive tennis and competitive badminton both. I just call it collecting. I just collect things that round mm -hmm. you off, and, which mm -hmm. later led into haiku and tanka and, and haibun and all that kind of stuff. All of these things just creates a real expansive experience of your life versus a contraction. I want to do it well. Mm -hmm. I want to experience it. I would expand my capabilities mm -hmm. and expand my mind, but expand my heart, expand my love, mm -hmm. expand my caring for humanity and take everything that I'm trying to do that rounds mm -hmm. me off and give it away. Mm -hmm. I want to give it away so people are, are moved by it mm -hmm. and want to round their lives off. When they're afraid to pursue something, pursue it. That's a sign you should pursue it. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, not just vision, but reality. At the same time, I really feel a tremendous confidence behind it. What you're saying is there's something deeper that's behind that ability to expand. The thing that struck me the most is how people limit themselves by titling themselves. Everything has a title. Everything has a place to be. Everything has a place to fit. I could say I'm a clarinetist. Well, I played with people from the LA Philharmonic. I played for Warner Brothers and Disney and MGM and Paramount. I guess I'm a clarinetist. But I could also say I'm a tennis player, yeah. right? Because I was number seven in the state of California in tennis. I was number one in the state of California in badminton. And I came number two in table tennis in a professional tournament. Wow. So am I a ping pong player? I'm a poet. And Richard, you placed two of my poems in the Kusamakura as third place mm -hmm. two years in a row. And so they were successful at the time. Mm -hmm. Written books. So author, poet, musician, tennis player, ping pong player, pastor, Somebody goes, well, what do you do? They're looking for the limitation mm -hmm. because that's how they mm -hmm. treat their own lives. Mm -hmm. They're going to look for what they look for based on their own experience with themselves. Mm -hmm. So they identify themselves as being something, which means there's millions of things they aren't. Yeah, I don't want to be an, ar an aren't. <laughs> I want to be a, a multiplicity of is, mm -hmm. am. Am, right, yeah. I want to be a lot of am. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have potential. Potential <laughs> means you haven't used it yet. That's interesting. I want to use it already. Potential doesn't exist until mm. it's a fantasy. Prove potential exists. Mm. I don't want to be a potential. That's like not existing. So if I want to exist, I got to surpass. I got to go beyond. I got to transcend potential and do it. And it doesn't matter if you do it as an A player or a D player. Mm -hmm. That's quantitative. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. That's competitive. You can be doing who you are and what you are at whatever level, and that's not potential, that's actual. You're just always actual. You're on the line then. Beautiful. When you said you're just always actual, mm -hmm. that's exactly right. I've never said it that way, but it's exactly right. Mm -hmm. You're actual. You're not potential. You're not floating out there. It's hard to get actual, actually. <laughs> I think it's hard for people because they qualify it. I am good at actual, or I'm not good at actual. I'm great at actual. Mm. 
they're going to junior high school and they're grading themselves. We're taught we're either an A player or we're a failure, an F. Mm-hmm. School does that to us. It gives you titles of mm-hmm. either A or you B or C, D, or you're just a failure. Yeah. So people don't want any of those lesser ones. Right. So they are afraid to do something less than an A because they got in trouble their whole lives from their parents by being less than an A. Jonathan Haidt has been writing about the situation where if you are in any kind of competition in school, like it's everyone gets a first place, everyone gets an A, everyone gets... Oh my word. There's no way to know anymore. You're not an actual. There is something about competition and achieving excellence. I was never a great bassoon player because I didn't practice enough. Yeah. I knew that. Why did I know? Because a concert master would be like, I play it from measure 115 and yeah. I hadn't practiced yeah. that enough, but my friend had. Two. That kind of leads us into something interesting here, what you're talking about, because one of the things that we're interested in in this podcast is to talk about entryway into that actualization, entryway into actually being creative, which is making something new from what you didn't have before. So I wonder, is there an entryway for you into all of these different ises, into all of these different ways of actuating yourself? I think some of it's built into your character. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with different aspects of your family, mm-hmm. your support systems or non-support systems. A non-support system can be a great motivator. Yeah. 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 And a support system can be a great motivator. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So in certain personalities, they get beat down in certain environments and they just can't actuate. Mm-hmm. Other personalities are feisty or kind of stubborn. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is cultural. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we're losing so much culture. Music's out of school. Mm-hmm. Nobody writes poetry in school anymore. It's done. The arts are out, yeah. Yeah, all these things are just dropped from the curriculum. Billions of dollars are being spent on the study of how frogs breathe, and no money is being put into a child's development. So in the 50s, when I was being developed as a child, mm-hmm. there was a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of support mm-hmm. from your family and from the schools and from the program yeah. for you to experience things. Mm-hmm. So first, you got to tickle the monkey to see if he laughs. You've got to tickle the kid with mm-hmm. something that he can experience, he, mm-hmm. he or she can experience. Mm-hmm. And then instead of looking at the one thing that went wrong in that experience, you look for something that's supportive and go like, wow. For your first time, that looks pretty good. Look at how that flower looks real. Mm -hmm. So the support system is really important. Mm -hmm. I had both negative and positive support. My dad was a kid beater, Mm -hmm. so I locked myself in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. That's the only Mm -hmm. place I could find peace. I took my clarinet with me, and as long as I stayed in the bathroom and had peace, I practiced. (laughs) That is funny. Right. I can picture it. I was like one of the top six juniors in the country playing clarinet at the time. Played in a bathroom. Don't you think that's a great actual metaphor of art as resistance? Yes, and confrontation. Yeah, yeah. In a way, you're saying like, you know, screw you. Yes. You created the zone of sanctuary and went at it creatively. Yeah. My daddy yelled me, go, that's an F sharp. (laughs) I'm in the bathroom, Michael, that's an F sharp. Okay, I'll play an F sharp. Fine, that makes you happy, I don't care. So I learned to turn his negative situation with me into something positive. I went out and I started, um, when I got interested in tennis, I was out playing. So now I'm playing clarinet three hours a day. I'm playing tennis two hours a day. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. get the grades I want. I don't want the grades. I don't care. I want to live a life. Mm -hmm. So I think that really summarizes something. All people need to be encouraged to feel 
like they want to live their life. Right. And that comes from a, what kind of space does that come from? You can't see it. Mm-hmm. You can't contain mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. There is a feeling that you can impart to help the person want to live their life, want to create. When Richard, you, you talk about creative space. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, creative space, is it the kind of space that has a wall around it? So is it the space outside of the wall? Or is it the space inside the wall? Or is it the space that we can't understand, can't explain, and can't describe like the Tao? Tao that can be described isn't the true Tao. Mm-hmm. The space where creation comes from, it's supported, but it can't be described. Mm. But you can encourage the people to get into the space mm-hmm. of which no one can describe. No one can prove that space, that creative space, even there. Where is right. it? Right. Mm-hmm. Find mm-hmm. it in your brain. Crack your head open. Yep. Put your brain on the table. <laughs> Find the place that is your creative space that you go to. Yeah. You can lose. We have two words. I lost the match, but I'm not a loser. There's two words, yeah. not one. But nowadays, it's all or nothing. You're perfect or you're a failure. Mm-hmm. And this is no way to encourage someone to enter into their creative space. Mm-hmm. They won't be inspired. Inspiration is the door to the creative space. The indescribable space where things happen and you, you lose track of time. Gosh, I, I just yes. finished this. I didn't realize it's three in the morning. I better go to bed. That's the creative space. It's yeah. timeless. You're not in anything, mm-hmm. and you are in it completely. It's a thing you can't describe. But if you lose, and then you're made to feel like a loser, how's that going to be a key that opens the door of inspiration, mm-hmm. is inspiration, to the creative space? How are you ever going to get there? And that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. You're an A student, an A-plus student now. I don't know what they're doing to get better than perfect. Or you're a loser. (laughs) Yeah. Right? You're a loser. Or, honey, it doesn't matter. Everybody gets a blue ribbon. And -hmm. now you don't get to bounce your ideas around. No matter how you play tennis, you'll get your ribbon. No matter how you think Mm. or debate, you'll get your ribbon. And so you don't get any feedback on, on where you're at. Those people will never know where they're at. There is a place of at. I think that's really important. It has to also be supportive and yes. I think oriented toward human potential. You really do look for the spark in a kid. You look for the spark in anyone. Yes. If we talk about self-relation, a lot of times society just won't do it for us, you know. That's what we're actually why we even make this podcast. It's valuable for us as artists to keep engaging in this process of experiencing creative space and trying new things like this. Mm-hmm. It's an exploration. We don't, we haven't planned this conversation out. And it's better for that. (laughs) (laughs) This point of contact in life is very simple. But if you don't have the support around you, maybe that's where artistic community or a healthy martial arts community really comes in because you really need collaboration and you need other people. I mean, maybe there's a rare person who's just out on their own and they know what they're doing and everything. That would be Picasso, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, I don't know if that makes you a loser or a winner or just whatever. It just doesn't matter. We don't have, in a very materialistic society where everyone's getting a blue ribbon or you're a winner or a loser or something like that, it's so far away from Mm -hmm. 
this point is really anti-establishment in what we're talking mm -hmm. about. I don't mean the establishment as progressive or conservative. I just mean the system of structure. It's harsh. Mm -hmm. It's super limiting and harsh, right? Yeah, very limiting. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in what we can do. Yeah. Arts practice and in community is something we can do. I think a lot of people have a wish or are seeking something that they're just maybe unable to find some contact. I think there are a lot of unlucky people. Yeah. There are. And, you know, going back to this five excellences, my point was in the school to recognize what you're talking about and what we're all discussing here is to recognize what's going on and to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I use the school as a podium. Hey, if you want to be a master, then what are the other things you like to do in your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I've thought about doing this. I've thought about doing that. And I go like, yeah, it sounds like you've done a lot of thinking. <laughs> but you do know that thinking is not the same thing as doing. You, you do get that, right? Mm -hmm. You can think about being an attorney. You can think about being a pianist. Mm -hmm. But unless you press a key, it's a great story with one of my students. I asked him, I said, well, what are you? You know, what do you do? He said, I'm a photographer. What kind of camera do you have? And he told me. And I said, well, what are you doing with it? And not much. Said, well, where's your camera? It's in storage. <laughs> I said, so you're not a photographer. Mm -hmm. So the next week he comes and he goes like, hey, uh, Master Barrett, I, I got my camera out of storage. I go, that's great. Have you taken a picture? He goes, no. I said, you're not a photographer. <laughs> so he comes back. He says, hey, I went out and I did some shooting. I go, really? What did you shoot? And he says, well, you shot this, shot this. I said, well, you know, you're not a photographer unless you're an artist. Oh, that's interesting. One to pull out of your hat. And he's like, ah. Oh. So, but anyway. What happened next? <laughs> over a period of time, he became a photographer. He, he did. And you know Josh, he's a world-renowned photographer now. Oh, yeah. And just has some of the finest shots of international situations, different countries and stuff. Mm -hmm. he's, yeah. mm -hmm. he's just terrific. Yeah. But when I met him, he was a photographer. His camera's in the storage, <laughs> right? So all our desires are in our internal storage. Oh, yeah. And so the whole point that I had was, I'm going to use Masashi and the five excellences mm -hmm. concept mm -hmm. as a way to nurture and push and lead and guide people to not just think about something, but to do it. Yep. And so the thing was, is to motivate them. Mm -hmm. If you want your fourth degree, you want your third degree, then you need to expand. I'm not just building fighters here. Anybody, mm -hmm. you can punch somebody in the face right now without paying me money. Mm -hmm. Just go look at the moon. They look at the moon, hit them in the face. It's done. <laughs> if you want to learn something about martial art, martial mm -hmm. is military art, an art of military activity, right? Mm -hmm. What other arts do you have in mind? You ever wanted to paint, you ever wanted to draw? Mm -hmm. Bones, she's now a terrific artist, and you've met Bones, Richard, several times. And she became a poet because of the program. She learned haiku. She learned how to paint Japanese-style flowers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're beautiful. She studied healing arts, and she began to round her angularity. Mm. That's what it's for, is to give you a very fulfilling life. It can't be that fulfilling, punch somebody in the face or kill somebody. Mm. Look, I'm a great fighter. I just killed a guy. Yeah. I don't think that's really a bragging thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think you put your head on a pillow all that satisfied. It might look good at a bar and when mm -hmm. you're drinking beer and you go like, wow, I beat the guy and I killed him. Oh, dude, you're tough. Mm -hmm. you know, but when you go to bed at night, you know you're nothing. Mm -hmm. Bones, she goes to bed an artist. She goes to bed a poet. She goes to bed mm -hmm. a pianist now. She goes to bed a martial art master. She has four excellences and more. Mm -hmm. And it became... It came from Kung Fu. So what we need mm -hmm. in our society are vehicles. 
to bring people into, not just children, but people mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. that guides them and leads them into five excellences. What are your other secret passions? I want to know something secret about you. Mm. I want to know a secret desire that you hide out because you don't want to bring it forward because you're either going to laugh at yourself or you think somebody else going to laugh at you. I want to know something true about you. Mm. And then the next question is, is well, how did you get to 28 years old and not play piano mm. when you wanted to? Mm-hmm. Well, I went to college, I did this, mm-hmm. I'm working. Okay, you just told me all the excuses why you are not something. You have not given me an excuse why you are something. And so we'd start there. This is interesting that you brought up what's hidden, the secret. You know, I thought, well, why is it secret? Why is it important that we have secrets? I remember James Hillman, I think it was Hillman, the Jungian analyst, once said something like, teenagers need to have secrets. We need to have private worlds to develop. That's important. What we do in privacy or for ourselves. Why? Well, part of it is those seeds of passion or of what you really are interested in might really have no utility. You might be very vulnerable to destruction. When a seed is growing, it's still underground, but can be crushed very easily. We do nurture things in secrecy and in private, and I mean that in a non-judgmental way. What you're saying is you're somehow bringing that more to light. It's challenging, but supportive, you know, to finally recognize. Well, I want to split hairs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to split hairs slightly there. There's different kinds of secrets. For example, I don't think wanting to play piano or paint, anything that required mastery would be a great, great anything in the arts. I think it's different than having maybe privacy. I think a secret and privacy is slightly different. And there's a a big area of privacy in human beings that we really need. Mm. But the areas of secrets, my secret desire. I see what you mean, yeah. That is not a secret. You're just keeping it from people. It's a secret from yourself in a way. You won't allow yourself to have it. It's dysfunctional. You have a desire Mm. that you're Mm -hmm. keeping secret. So how does that work out for you? Yeah. That's different than having privacy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you have these corners of privacy mm-hmm. or little rooms of privacy where, where you really need that. Like you're saying, you're absolutely right. I agree with you totally that human mm-hmm. beings really need privacy. That could be called secrecy mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. 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 No, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, I'm playing with the words. There are different kinds of secrecy, actually. Yeah. Internalizing happens in different ways. It's not really a secret. I just don't tell people because I'm shy. I'm this, mm-hmm. I'm this. This is private because I want my own life, my own thoughts, my own world too, Dad. Stop prying. Right. Get out of my world. Get out of my face, you know. Get out of my head. Get out of my face. Yeah. Get out of my world. How else can you feel free? Leave me alone. You can't be free. And if you can't be free, how are you ever going to enter a creative space? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. exactly. You have to be free to get in a creative space. You have to feel yes. free. You have yeah. to feel freedom. And if you don't mm-hmm. feel wild, raw, and free, then how are you going to have anything in a creative force? I think that's why I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a, I have a fuck you attitude about Like, damn it. You do. I have a toughness about it, yeah. Yes. Even a harshness. Other people have their own ideas of what's wrong with you. <laughs> I think we should interview you now. <laughs> this become a, a lot more interesting. <laughs> but uh, The element of freedom, which is a psychological opening or a 
you can't say I'm free. It's a feeling. Like you said, raw, raw or wild. What do you mean by that? It is a feeling. It's, it's free, right? But it still has its bounds. Because you want to be free and get naked and drive a Corvette on a freeway at 200 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be free very long. Right. <laughs> so there's that. We say, well, I can just be free. I'm going to break the rules of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to rewrite that. I'm going to do it this way. I'm mm-hmm. going to make a concerto, seven movements. And it's not a concerto anymore, but I'm going to call it one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, there is actually a concerto in music. There is that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we can go and push it around and push its limits. But if you turn around and make a minuet and call it concerto, it's not fair. <laughs> if you say, hey, I just wrote a minuet and it's a concerto. Everybody showed up to dance to the minuet mm-hmm. and they can't because it's a concerto. We just they can't do everything. Mm-hmm. You can't get that wild. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a feeling like you, you were alluding to. Mm-hmm. You have to have a feeling of freedom. That doesn't mean the same mm-hmm. thing as just going crazy and being psychotic and, and being mm-hmm. that kind of free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a feeling of freedom. Yeah. Not necessarily a full function of freedom. And I'm splitting hairs. It's an important nuance. It's very important. You gotta have that complete feeling, a thoroughbred feeling of being free, just free and raw, like there are no rules. Mm-hmm. You can drive a freeway like there's no rules. You feel the sun on your head, just have a great moment and you feel free, but you're still obeying the speed limit. There's still balance that you're working within. Mm-hmm. There's interesting where you want to be free, you need to be free, you need to open to whatever this mm-hmm. creative space is to be free to go there, but there's a kind of balance where the freedom maybe becomes rude, it can become abusive to your environment, How many times do we see great artists or great painters or great musicians that they're alcoholics or they abuse Mm. their wives or they kill somebody? Mm. You get a little bit further and you turn to the opposite. So let's say Mm -hmm. you go completely to love Mm -hmm. and you're perfect love. And somebody says, you have to change. Mm. So is there a perfecter or is the only change that can be made is toward hate? When it reaches the apex of what it is, the first change it makes is to the opposite. The yin-yang concept of the cycling. Continuum. Mm -hmm. When you take your freedom and you push it too far, it's going to circle back and double-cross you. I wonder, Jeff, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm sort of trying to get my head wrapped around this idea of freedom here entirely (laughs) because it seems like it's contained in something, you Mm -hmm. know? And yet, uh, to me, I don't know what it's contained in. You're talking about restrictions to freedom and there are certain aspects. But when we talk about the intention of being creative in some way, are we necessarily concerned with those external restrictions at all? And when we're talking about getting into this space of experiencing the freedom, if it even is a space, I'm not sure it is. I can't really see the boundaries around it myself. Are we concerned with the limitations? Let me clarify just slightly. I'm just saying that there's this potential. Yeah. Okay. Whatever freedom is, complete freedom and ecstatic way would be, I'll probably agree, that would mean no boundaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you have to be that raw to cross all that. Mm-hmm. You got to murder that guy and not care about it mm-hmm. and go on. And then if culture wants to rope you in and say, we have boundaries, mm-hmm. that's the nuance of the boundaries, mm-hmm. is from cultural expectations. Laws, police officers, people, legislators, right? Mm-hmm. They're legislating your freedom. Mm-hmm. 
just like people try and legislate your freedom and how you write haiku or how you play the shakuhachi. Mm. You know, there's people that try to rope you in. Without question. Yeah. Without question. Mm -hmm. So there is the ultimate freedom of which just unleashes your fat and you just go everywhere. So then is freedom the same as creativity? Yeah, freedom and creativity, obviously they're related. Yeah. But creativity, like you guys suggested, creative space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're free to swim space, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whatever that space is. So in other words, freedom is the entryway to creativity. I think it's the joy of being in the creative space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're in a creative space that can't be described. Where does it come from? You're in the zone, as a lot of people call that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Freedom is, is that you can go anywhere in that zone you want. Mm-hmm. Creative space isn't necessarily the subject. Freedom leads to choosing the subject in a way. Does desire have a place in that creative space? I think desire is the impetus. Oh, okay. That's the match that lights the firecracker. Yeah, yeah. You're going to blow yourself up and, <laughs> and go. <laughs> You know, there's something I was reminded of in talking about freedom that gives another dimension to it. It has to do with the the most famous post-war haiku poet in modern times, mm. Kaneko Tota. Yeah, Tota was deeply studied Isa, who is known as a very compassionate and humanistic haiku poet. He wasn't a samurai class; he was a farmer class, which uh, meant that he couldn't really make money as a master haiku teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, after all the various travails that he suffered, including a really abusive childhood and a lot of drinking, mm-hmm. I think, within like the space of a year or two, he lost his wife and all his children to disease. And that was at that point, right after his wife had passed, and he declared himself Arabumpu, Arabumpu, which Kaneko translated as a wild, ordinary man. I like it. I'm just a wild, mm-hmm. ordinary man. And he said... I tried Buddhism, I tried to be good, he's really saying. Tried to do all the compassionate things and care about others, and I failed. I failed at everything. I'm just wild. And then Kaneko said, and this is in, in his uh, lecture and in his interview, why didn't he kill anyone if he really just gave up on everything? And he was really free in a certain mm-hmm. way and raw, yeah. totally raw. That's what autobumpu means. It means totally raw. Totally raw. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's because he was a really sensitive poet. He really was sensitive. It just is there. Mm-hmm. He was a sensitive person. He noticed he felt the things. things. And so that freedom and that rawness isn't just some nihilism, like suddenly you're going to be free and raw and go out and create mayhem. Why didn't he? Why didn't he? This is Kaneko's mm-hmm. thinking about this. He never answered his own question except... He said, look, look at his poetry, look at his character. What else can you say? If you are that kind of person that Issa was, that's what happens when you become raw. And he could have done those things, and people do. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, maybe freedom is a power, and some people do horrible things, evil things. Maybe so. Mm. It can go, like you said, there's a dark and a light to it. You know, we're not so interested in that dark area, I think. But it is true that there's something to the power the feeling of power in art process, in that freedom, that can be really dark. And it isn't moral. There's no energy comes to you. I have demons. I have neurosis and all those things. 
And I don't want to be out of touch with that. So I'm not trying to cultivate myself into a goody two-shoes. I'm not a mayhem-type person. I'm not out there to wreck people's lives. Why not? Mm -hmm. I feel some commonality in what Kanika was saying about freedom and rawness. I don't think it's an easy topic, actually. I don't think it's an easy topic at all. I do think there's a kind of etching on us, an etching, a kind of etching. Could, what do you mean? Let's say we desire to be completely free. Mm. And let's say this very second, somehow I have the power to look at you two, mm -hmm. and I go, you are absolutely free right now. You're completely free. There will be no loss for the next hour. There'll be no repercussions mm -hmm. to any decision mm -hmm. that you make. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you a choice. You can play shakuhachi for the hour, or you can kill somebody. There's no rules, there's no God, and there's no punishment. Would you kill somebody or play shakuhachi? I would play shakuhachi because I've been in that space and I know where it is and I know the limitless aspects of it. I've never killed anybody, I don't know what it is, and I'm not curious. Why? Right. There's more in the unset in this. The unset is that you're not the kind of person that wants to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in the situation of a self-defense kill. Any mm -hmm. kind of kill, you'd prefer to stay out of it, right? Okay, so that's a kind of etching. Mm. Something must be etched in you yeah. from somewhere because you have a natural characteristic that shuns killing. Other people have a natural characteristic to choose to kill. They use freedom differently, right? I'd like to answer that question a different way. I didn't ask you because you're going to murder somebody. That's right. You know that, right? You know that. <laughs> yeah, I already know that. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be some body count here. The reason why, though, yeah, because I can't help myself. <laughs> oh, man. The thing is, though, it wouldn't be shakuhachi, but let's say, you know, write a poem or yeah. make some music. I would say, yeah, I might have to kill a few people first, but I would kill them in my mind. This is a big difference. And I don't mean real people, right? I mean, they might actually seem like real people. Metaphorically speaking, yeah, I might have to kill a few bad guys or whatever it is, but it's a metaphor. It's a psychic situation that is part of that freedom. So I can write or something like that. This is a difference between actually really killing anyone and yeah, yeah. experiencing a deep psychological drama of some kind and working through that. That can be freeing, actually. So I would say I might need to kill a few demons in order to write well. Yeah. And I don't mean kill them like defeat them either. I'm the killer and the killed. That's like a dream. Every character in your dream is in your mind. It's you. Oof. Everything's you, right? In that way. So this is the difference between the literal reality and what I would call, you know, deliteralized or psychological reality. And mm -hmm. it makes it more subtle, right? Or thresholds. Yeah, would you kill somebody? No, and... Okay, so that's a different threshold. At some extremity of meditation where I, you just let all these fantasies fly through your mind, we're all everything. And it doesn't mean you're capable of that or would ever do that. But it's silly to say, I'm going to censor even the weirdest, most evil thought. In fact, because I don't, it's just transparent. It's just a thinking. I think what I'm getting at here, Richard, is that there's an etched innate goodness. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Don, are you just talking about conditioning through your experiences? That's what you mean by etching? Possibly. 
Or natural. Natural. Mm. Natural etching. Does a polar bear have a natural etching to be kind? Mm -hmm. Does a polar bear think twice when he rips your body apart and he's not really hungry? I'm just saying that there's an etching. Mm. So when you were talking about boundaries Mm -hmm. earlier, Mm -hmm. am I contracted? Possibly you are. I have a notion that we have some innate things that came into the mix Mm -hmm. when we were born that we don't cross. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know what those are. But we don't cross. Mm-hmm. We don't steal. I don't still take people's money. But I don't know why. I am not afraid of the law that they're going to hit my hands and put me in jail because I took somebody's money sitting there. For some reason, we try to remain courteous. Mm-hmm. But in our freedom, we don't have to. We can just be the meanest bastards in history. Mm-hmm. It's not the mm-hmm. law you're obeying. It's not your teacher you're obeying. What is holding you from crossing certain natural thresholds? And the natural threshold may shrink or expand your creative space, which doesn't exist and doesn't have a container, so you can't really expand it. Mm-hmm. But if you get what I mean, yeah. when you're really honest with yourself, mm. you're operating within some sort of bounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like this conversation because it's something very hard to talk about. It's really hard to talk about freedom, real freedom. It is. It's really hard to talk about freedom with creativity. We all agreed, I think, that privacy is a very key element, and it's different than a certain kind of secrecy from yourself where you might be limited. One thing that occurred to me also was a social aspect that, you know, we're now living in this surveillance society, and, and there's drones and cameras everywhere. I think it's a terrible pressure. It's very hard to do anything if you know someone's watching over your shoulder or might be listening. I mean, just the thought of it, you know, it's a panopticon. You don't need to be watching every prisoner in the yard in order for all of them to feel like they might be being watched at any moment, even if they aren't. We're entering this social atmosphere where people are nervous or stressed about being observed and nothing is really private anymore. I think you have to be able to feel some amount of private space, independent space, in order to tap into that feeling of freedom. Well, sanctuary, right? Mm. Unassailed space. People are afraid of being private now, afraid of being every spare moment. You Mm. pick up your phone and check something or write something or do something. There's a term now that's been in play for at least probably 10 years now called long-form reading. Long-form reading Mm. means any essay that probably takes you more than 10 minutes to read. That's Mm. long now. It's such a dangerous thing because distraction becomes prevalent. That's the thing. I'm seeing more distraction than I've ever seen. Mm. People are sitting there talking to you and they're distracted. They write in an error. I don't know where they're going or what they're thinking about, but they're distracted. I wonder the more distracted that we are and the more displaced we are from our moment, Mm -hmm. how is that going to play out in us entering the territory of creation? We talked about the actual. Entering that space and that experience of freedom is an actual it's a full body, holistic, embodied experience. Visceral experience. But if your actual keeps flipping into the virtual and back and forth and here and there, yeah. it just doesn't seem to psychologically how you can really cohere. It's amazing where we are in talking about creative space. If you're distracted, and let's say some weird thing happens, you get distracted, which enters you into a creative space, and then you'll be distracted to yank you out of it. Mm. The flaw is that you're distracted. So you're not going to stay on either side of it. So that vacillation thing that you kind of referenced, mm-hmm. it's going to be in play. 
what good is going to come out of that? There's not going to be dynamic music from that. Mm. They'll never finish a darn song. <laughs> there won't be poetry with any mm. true grit to it because they forgot where they are. They're back on their phone. You know, so the creative space is destroyed. How do you really stay with your process? If you fall out of it, then how do you get back? I think if you train yourself, it's hard, actually. You can't just always be inspired. It is, because desire has a cohabitant. Discipline. Uh, something like that. Desire without discipline is empty. Desire is a driving force. Right. It's the igniter to the firecrackers. There's no question about it. But it's discipline that keeps it all happening. If you want to be good at the desire, mm -hmm. you're in your creative space, and you really want to be good at this desire, you're going to need discipline. And the only way you can have discipline is to remove distraction. You can't achieve discipline by saying, I'm disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> you become disciplined by removing distraction. But it takes discipline to do that. So there's mm -hmm. a quagmire right there. Yeah, and in that discipline, especially when I've done longer projects, there's a lot of sacrifice sometimes. I mean, real sacrifice. Absolutely. Real. Mm -hmm. I can't see my friends for a while, and if I want to write something long, I've got to sit down pretty much every day with my best energy until it's done. Yeah. And maybe I'll fail. Maybe I can't finish it, but I got the bug up my butt, and I'm going to keep going, you know? Yeah, me too. I will not let go of something that I want to do, I want to experience, I want to feel at every level of my being. I'm not going to let it go, period, ever. And so, you know, you have the creative space that we're talking about here, right? It's discipline that supports it. So wherever this non-space space is, there's a cohabitant of discipline. Embracing it, holding it, and keeping it steady. And if you remove discipline, what do you need creative space for? You're not going to finish the thing, so forget about it. And if you have discipline, and don't know how to enter into your creative space, then discipline means nothing. Put those two things together, I think it's magical. Mm -hmm. And you have somebody that won't surrender while they're in their creative space. The word suffering becomes very important. Mm -hmm. So you need creative space, discipline, and then you have to accept the suffering that goes with it. Mm -hmm. There's layers floating around in the thing that doesn't exist, but it's there. I mean, it's giving up time, giving up your girlfriend, going to bed early, it's not like suffering like stabbing yourself no. with a knife. <laughs> no, no. I use the word sacrifice because that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Sacrifice denotes suffering. It's painful to it's right there. It is painful. Sacrifice, the Christ on the cross, you know. Like a monk. That's, that's how I felt. It's like, okay, I'm not a monk, but it feels like that. Giving up is the key, though. I think giving up is the entry to creative space. Could you say more about that? Is that the same as abandoning? Uh, not abandoning, because abandoning means letting go. Yeah. So slightly different than mm -hmm. giving up, what he was alluding to. Mm -hmm. What was the word you just used? I'm sorry, I just lost my train. Abandon. Abandoning or abandonment. I use sacrifice as a yeah. word. I use suffer, the, the willingness to suffer in your life. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. Right. You don't eat maybe for two more hours. That's a kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. You don't go out and goof around with your friends. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. That's your kind of suffering. You're, you're sacrificing. Sacrifices mm -hmm. always implies suffering. And so we, creative people, they're going to experience what you're talking about, the sacrifice, the suffering, and adds to the layers that we've discussed already. 
mm-hmm. in this whole thing yeah, called yeah. creative space. Yeah. Creative space yeah. has a lot of peripheral mm. things going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask Jeff to add to this. Why did you mention abandonment? What does that mm. mean to you? Well, exactly what Don said, letting go. In other words, you were holding on to something that was keeping you in a certain mindset, in a certain place, in a certain way of thinking, and then abandoning those constrictions, just letting them free, not with intent necessarily. In a sense, it's having faith in the experience of freedom. Mm-hmm. Just triggers something that where this creative field, it's a magnet, let's say, mm-hmm. because we're all drawn to being creative. Mm-hmm. It might not be to our own good. Yeah, I wanted to touch back on that. Is creative an ambient thing? But go ahead, Don. The only way to get there is you're hanging on, you're hanging on, you're magnetized. You're going to go into the zone and you've got things to do, but you're hanging on. I'll do this later. I'll, I'll write this music later. But it's attracting you. it got to write this poem now or I'll forget it. Right. And all of a sudden you let go and the magnet of the creative space goes wham and sucks you in. <laughs> And next thing you know, you've been there eight hours. (laughs) You have no idea how long you've been there. You skip breakfast, you missed class, you missed your divorce. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I look at the creative thing, it's constantly Mm -hmm. pulling at me. Mm -hmm. And I have to be sure I let go of what I think is valuable to be swept into what is valuable as far as my creative field. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I especially like what you said because so often I feel the opposite. Like, I wish I was more creative. I have time. I wish I was more creative now. How do I get into it? Instead of the magnet being attractive, I almost feel like it's repelling. (laughs) And how do I break free? And, you know, sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. Clearly. If I just wait, quiet down or just be more patient. Okay. You can't make it happen. When you drop down... Isn't that the same thing as letting go? That's how I feel, too. Okay, so you're really letting go. Mm -hmm. You're dropping down. There's things you're shedding, and that makes you more available. You kind of give up. You have to let go. Right. By trimming things off. I don't believe the creative space is something that you can purposely enter. I think, in a way, you have to trim things off by letting go of other things. Abandon, like Mm -hmm. Jeff's using a word. I think so, yeah. Then when nothing's left but your creative space, well, where are you going to be? You're going to be there. And it has a magnetic quality. It, it is, because you described, when you started doing this, you're talking about a magnet right here. That's like kinesiology and stuff. It's electromagnetic. You literally, physically... Feel it in, your, in the hairs of your arms. You do. Electrical attraction. Yeah. You're letting go. If you let go, that's when you just suck into the creative space. And when you let go, which is different, maybe process than mine or Jeff's, when you let go, you end up in that space. I think it's a place that we end up, not a place that we achieve. Right. I just want to be there. But it's not so simple. It's not. Not usually. Sometimes, you know, I just think of it as a kind of grace. Mm. I'm not a humble person, but I feel humble about that kind of experience. Is like, that is not up to me. I'm grateful when those doors open. Always. Yeah, me too. It's very mysterious, I think. It is mysterious. And we've been sucked in together a couple of times. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were throwing ink paint in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about letting go to the creative space. Mm. You know, we got sucked in by that magnet. That was great. 
We were playing with the calligraphic ink on these sheets of white paper out in the backyard. Right. We wanted to throw ink around. It was spontaneous and playful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe we got to sounding really serious about these things, but actually, the side of play. It was a play. Well, we never really touched on that. The side of play, yeah. The play part of it, yeah. Play, oh my, play. When we say freedom, I don't think it's like freedom like, yeah, well, finally I'm free. Free to play. Free to play, yeah. I think some of our most creative moments is when we're playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Often inspirational. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another whole word inside of this conversation right there. That's huge. It's huge. Play is huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you got me off of my creative place. You just put me somewhere. I can't think right Somewhere now. else. I can't do this freaking interview now. You just ruined the interview. At the very beginning of our conversation, you're talking about you and Josh doing push hands. You know, and you said, we're not playing. Yeah. But I think you are engaged in play. Absolutely. Because you see, it's really spontaneous and they're really enjoying this and having fun. Absolutely. It's complicated because they're really skilled. They're doing something kind of dangerous and risky and they're playing. Yeah. Talking about just you and I with like throwing ink around, it's... We were having fun and playing, but there's intention there. Why do we bring that paper out? Why do we have these giant brushes and we're trying to make yeah. something? Just playing at it. There's something playful there, but it's serious play. Playful seriousness? <laughs> yeah. Mm. There's something there. That's a great topic. Mm-hmm. In your, we call it the WTF, <laughs> wondrous transmogrified filaments, rather than, uh, you know. Yeah, rather than. In your text, you wrote a box of is not a box of is. <laughs> I just love that expression. It's the way you ended, which was really funny and playful, where you wrote, uh, this annoys me, thinker's block. Yeah. I can't finish this <laughs> because I, think, I have thinker's block. You know? And that <laughs> became the end of the poem, Yeah. Right, right, right. That became the end of the poem. Was, that was pretty funny. But that was sincere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you actually had thinker's block, yeah. I did, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That last line, it comes really out of extraterrestrial out of space. <laughs> it's such yeah. a nonlinear thing. Well, yeah, I can't dwell on this without thinking. I'm trapped, and now I can't write the freaking poem because I have fingers blocked. Yeah. <laughs> funny thing, it's funny, but it's sincere, you know? Mm-hmm. Analysis is designed to tear things down. Mm-hmm. When you tear things apart, who rebuilds it to the whole? Mm. Everybody addresses, let's analyze this, let's analyze this. Mm-hmm. When did you go to a class that said, let's put this together? Yeah. Let's synthesize this. When do you put it back together? Who puts it back together? And all through college, let's analyze this, let's analyze this, let's analyze this. So too much brain, too much mind gives you thinker's block. <laughs> when you tear things apart mm-hmm. and analyze them in such a way that you've destroyed them, you end up with a confrontation within the self. You've gone into a place, mm-hmm. it doesn't support what you're doing. First thing you do is tense up. How can you prove that? I can't write. I can't finish this chapter. I don't have any good ideas. Mm. Why? Because you broke it down so far, you don't mm. have any, you have nothing but parts. You don't have any whole. You are analyzing the emptiness nature of creative space to the point where it got broken down yeah. to thinker's block, yeah. which made it funny. You did do an analysis. It reached a conclusion in which you, the poem ended and you became a free thing. It did become free. I set it free by the humor. Humor set it free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
even as we describe freedom, we begin to limit what it is. Everything you wrote about has that paradox quality in it. You know, you want to describe it, and then as soon as you do, it's not that. But we still want to articulate. Words do not expand things. They contain them by constructing boundaries over and over again, because all words have definitions. Freedom shrinking, limitation expanding. This annoys me. So there's the transition. (laughs) Stop my brain now. (laughs) By thinking about all this stuff, right? Getting it ready to share. I actually experienced what we're talking about here. I've been thinking about this so much, I've shrunk myself. Mm -hmm. It ended there because I had nothing else to say. Honestly, I was done. I was like, okay, Richard has me out out in some esoteric place we get lost in all the time with sake. And it's a blast. I love it. And I'd reached the end of my Prosecco. And I was done. That's okay. I got fingers blocked right here, you know. (laughs) I actually love the ending. Really the cherry on the cake for me. (laughs) And your humor, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Which I feel all the time. I mean, it. anyway, Don, thank you so much for your time and the depth of your thought. I appreciate it in my friendship with you, but also today it's a challenge to do these, go into such a deep topic, I think. And it was excellent to get to know you here, Don. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. It's nice meeting you. And Richard, yeah, you're loved by me. You know that forever and ever, brothers. This was uh, also hard on me because the way I think is I try not to think. <laughs> so when you asked me to do this, like, wow, I have to think and also be creative. And it's really pissing me <laughs> off. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Sorry to piss you off. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right. Sending you some love. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you guys working together, it's hilarious on the one hand. Yeah. It's deep on the other. Mm -hmm. You're talking about creative space. You're bathing in it right now. Yeah, that's our goal. Yeah, you're just bathing in the space, whatever it is. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. You guys take care. Yeah, you too, Don. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for having me on. So, all right, guys, we'll see you. Take yeah. care, man. Thanks so much for everything. Yeah. You too. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to Usual Pets on your favorite podcasting platform. You can also leave a comment at usualpets.com. If you would like to support Usual Pets, please consider becoming a patron and head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash usual pets. Music for this podcast has been composed and performed by Gilbert and Cairns.